Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Tim. We talk about <laughs> horror movies on this show and this is the first in a special series of episodes. Why special? Because it's October! This is Yay. the first one of October. This is, I mean, it's October <laughs> 1st as we record this. This will begin up today. This starts the Octoberthon in which we do at least four episodes a week until the end of the month, possibly more, and we've already got a couple of bonuses already kind of swirling in our heads. Uh, but yeah, so this, this is a big thing. We did this last year, uh, although I think we're going to top our overall number this year, uh, if I remember correctly, but we'll, we'll see. So we've got a variety of things. We've got some big classics coming throughout the month. Uh, we're starting with a new release, actually. We're starting with Gerald's Game, which uh, mm-hmm. is a new Netflix original film. It's based on a Stephen King book, um, directed by Mike Flanagan. So we're going to talk about that uh, today. Before we get to that, though, I do want to... Usually I save the the, you know, the, the promotion stuff plugs. until the end, the plugs. And mm-hmm. I, I'm all for the most part, I'm not going to plug everything here, but uh, we did mm-hmm. just start something new on our Patreon, which I think is mm-hmm. worth kind of celebrating and announcing, because we, uh, we timed it for October. Uh, <laughs> so... Now on Patreon, we do audio commentary tracks uh, for mm-hmm. movies, and there's going to be two a month. There's going to be one that's a group commentary with me and Tim and possibly Matt, uh, mm-hmm. and then the other one's just going to be me on my own, and I will. Uh, that one's more focused and more kind of like something I love. The other one with the group of us is probably going to be a bad movie that we're making fun of, and <laughs> that kind of thing, uh, and it's just for a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, so this is a new tier on Patreon. It's the eight dollar tier. However, the first commentaries uh, this month for October uh, that are already up, you can go and check out them on Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV uh, right now. They're free. Uh, the first mm-hmm. months are free. You don't have to be on a tier. You can go and check them out and see if you like the, the idea. Uh, but I, I uh, my solo commentary for October was Halloween. Uh, so I, I went straight to the classics um, <laughs> and then the group one that me, Tim and Matt did was for Darkness Falls which is a really forgettable well, forgettable <laughs> at best terrible at worst movie from 2003 uh, from the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning, which we just did in Screams a few weeks ago mm-hmm. so yeah, so that's but, the thing um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the commentary was pretty fun though uh, I definitely recommend people check it out if they, uh, they have the time if they're able to it was, it was a train wreck. <laughs> a gl- maybe a glorious train wreck, but it was a train wreck. I'm, I'm okay admitting that. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun, and uh, hopefully look forward to doing some more in the future. Well, no, hopefully we are doing more in the future. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing one group one a month. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> no, we'll see. It's, it's confirmed. We're doing it. <laughs> this was all, all this wishy-washy nonsense, Tim. Snap out of it, man. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about weird sex things. Uh, so, Gerald's Game uh, <laughs> is, uh, like I said, best in a Stephen King uh, book. We will start spoiler-free, we'll go into spoilers about halfway through, we'll give you warning before we do. Uh, and so let's, let's kick off the festive season that is October, the Halloween season, uh, with 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 the Gerald's Game. So, what is this about? This, this is about uh, a sort of middle-aged, well... Women's middle-aged, the man's sort of approaching kind of... He's on that cusp of going into old age. Cause Bruce Greenwood, who plays the husband, is 61. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of on oh, that, wow. that cusp. He looks good for 61. He's, he's, he keeps yeah. in shape. I, um, I would have thought, like, early 50s, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Carla Gugino plays the, uh, the, the the wife. And they, they go to their, their, their vacation home. 
to rekindle a romance. They've been having a rough time, so they go to play some kinky games to try and spruce the marriage up, spruce the love life up a little bit. And mm-hmm. she gets handcuffed to the bed because he wants to be extra kinky. And then he has a heart attack and dies, <laughs> and she is left chained to the bed with no way of contacting anyone for help. There's no neighbours nearby. There's no one who might find her. She is just there on her own until she either dies or somehow finds a way of getting out of the out of the, the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. That's the movie. It's a very simple premise. She's on a bed. <laughs> she can't get anything to eat or drink. She's just there. She's stuck. Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I'll ask you the question. What did okay. you think of Gerald's game? This movie was phenomenal. I absolutely loved it i i was actually pretty surprised like i i thought it looked good and uh i was excited for it but when i watched i was pretty blown away um it's a a very simple premise and i usually like these premises but i feel like they don't really deliver very often um you know like that stuff like buried or like oh like this whole movie takes place like uh you know in a coffin or on a ski lift or in an atm and stuff like it always sounds like oh that could be interesting in an atm yeah, there's a movie like that. Inside an like ATM. A, yeah. Like one of those like little ATMs you go into. Like, you know, like a little glass. Oh, like a walk-in case. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. Not the actual ATM it, itself, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking like, the one that's on the wall that you just go up to. And I'm like, how, oh, does, it, no. how does it take place in an ATM? <laughs> no, there's... Yeah, the, there's like some that like you'll see like in a parking lot. It'll be like a little room that's kind of just like okay, a... Okay, okay, sure. thing, But... Uh, I think the movie is just called ATM, um, and, uh, and some of those, <laughs> and some of those are you know okay, um, but I, I feel like it, it never, like they run out of steam pretty quickly. But I was really surprised at how much uh, this movie finds to do and how interesting and invested I, I really was, and it did some really cool and creepy stuff I wasn't expecting, and I was just tickled pink by it. I guess you would say. <laughs> Well, I was I was not necessarily prepared for the overwhelming positivity <laughs> that came out of your mouth there. Uh, and I also should say real quick, uh, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Uh, I haven't read this book uh, in particular. I actually might go back and read it now, but uh, so I can't really say uh, if it is a, a good adaptation or not. But um, I definitely could feel the the kingness uh, in it. It was set in Maine. That's yeah. that's Stephen King. That's what he does. <laughs> Sets things in Maine. So but there was a. Very, very, very awesome uh, Dark Tower reference that made me very happy. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> right, interesting. Um, yeah, I liked it. I, I did not love it as much as you did, though. <laughs> I'm not coming in with that, that brimming sort of ecstatic uh, that, that nature about me. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, I did like it, though. I, I, I did. Uh, I think it's solid. It's funny because I think Mike Flanagan, uh, who directed Hush, he directed Oculus, and. Uh, Ouija, Rise of Evil last year, which is funny, he, he, he churned out another movie almost exactly one year since his last one came out. I, the, the guy's a workhorse, he, he gets through yeah. them. I think he he's a very consistently good, but not great director, to me. What's interesting about him, uh, for me at least, is I feel like each movie of his I like a little bit more. Like, um, mm. you know, I, I think like, you know, some of the early ones uh, I was like, alright, this is okay, and then you know, the next one's like, oh, this is good, but there's still something missing that was keeping it from being, like, 
okay, this is good, but I'm not like, oh my god, great. And but this was the first one where I was like, yes, finally, like I, lo- I love this. I, uh, I, I think I might like Hush a little bit more than this one. Okay. I, I think I mean, Hush I mean, is really good. I yeah. wouldn't argue. But. I mean, Hush was his best one, certainly at that <laughs> point. Like, I think, uh, uh, yeah, and I like Hush more than uh, Ouija. Uh, Rise of Evil, or Origin of Evil, I think it was called. I'm, I'm forgetting the name yeah. of it, but uh, I, I think this it does have some genuinely creepy moments, uh, and I'll applaud it for the creepy moments, just feeling creepy, and you know, not doing the jump scare noise, not doing the oh, this is meant to be the scary moment. You like, <laughs> you know, it, it got incredibly tense at certain points, and it didn't go there straight away. You know, it's it for a while it was almost like a family drama. For, you know, for a little oh, bit yeah. it was just this marital drama for. X amount of the runtime, and then it started to get a bit more delirious, and it started to go down these paths, and uh, mm-hmm. and she starts thinking about her past, and we get some information about our, our childhood and stuff that sort of feeds into the or the themes of the story, and you know why she is the way she is, and, and uh, I, I think those sections are like cut in pretty good, where you'll get like a little bit of drama or backstory, and then it'll cut to you know like the present or the re- real world, um, you know, and then you get a little bit more of her current situation. And, then uh, it, it's a nice uh, jump in, you know, back and forth. Yeah, I honestly, my main criticism of it actually comes from the ending. If I'm mm. going to criticize it, I think the final, like the ending, ending, like the last couple of minutes. Yeah, I'll call it the epilogue. Okay, yeah, I'll call it the epilogue. Uh, most of my problems with the movie come from there. Uh, mainly, yeah. I, I feel like it turns into a giant dump of information at the end to explain things. And it felt it just it took me out of the movie. Like mm-hmm. instead of revealing certain things in the story in, a, in an interesting way, it just dumped it all on me at the end after the fact. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it was very strange. Um, I wouldn't say that I didn't like it, but it did really feel like out of nowhere. Yeah, and I was sh- like, and it was one of those things where it's like, oh, like I, I was on board with you know this thing that you're kind of explaining. I didn't need. Uh, an explanation for it, but I, I'm not necessarily mad at the explanation that was given. Yeah, because um, it also like narration came into it at the end, and like we had no narration for the whole movie. It just it felt like it shifted tones bizarrely, and I think I know what it was trying to do with that, and we'll talk about that in spoilers as to why thematically it makes sense to shift. But mm-hmm. it just it took me kind of out of the movie. It took me like it just it felt like the tone shifted, it felt like the style shifted, uh, and then the final moment itself just just a bit on the cheesy side. Uh, and again, I actually appreciate what it's trying to do there. I just I think it it just totally did not work with the rest of the movie. So I'll, I'll talk about that in spoilers. Yeah, uh, but I, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, it didn't really uh, affect my enjoyment that much. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is definitely odd though. Uh, performances are very good. Uh, I'll I'll say that <laughs> direction is very strong. Um, the like I say, the creepy moments all work really well. It does a good job of focusing. Like, you know, there's a large periods of time and all you're seeing is her, like, on the bed. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it very smartly, like, it'll, it'll draw your attention to the part that it wants you to, like, you know. Uh, for example, when she's first being chained into the bed and uh, the camera just focuses on her hand and her face is out of focus. But it's like this, even though it's, it's not treating it with music or anything like that to make you go, oh, this is the big moment, this is where she's locked in. But the camera just subtly says, this is a big deal, this moment. This is where she's locked mm-hmm. in. Uh, and there was a lot of little things like that that I felt uh, helped tell its story, mm. kind of thing. So yeah, I agree with that. Um, 
there's some pretty good uh, gore in it, surprisingly. Um, yeah, there's not like a, a ton of it, but the the few yeah. like scenes that are there. I don't uh, think we can talk about what they are right? until spoilers because they're all full right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, spoilerville. But yeah, no, there is actually some impressive gore effects at <laughs> one or two points. Yeah, I, I, I think honestly we'll probably dive into spoilers at this point. I feel like we can't really talk about anything else without. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to. And uh, talk about much else about the plot, like Cause, without cause, really going into it. Because even the most horror part of the story, uh, we can't mention until spoilers. Yeah. Because, uh, like I say, it starts off just, oh, it's just, you know, because this could almost be just a survival movie. Like, this could almost mm-hmm. be the in the bed version of 127 Days or Hours. Yeah. Yeah, Hours. <laughs> that's, that's the movie. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, almost could just be the bed version of that, where it's not really a horror movie, it's just about surviving and trying to last until you're found or get out or or whatever and but instead it does introduce these other ideas and elements throughout that it, it turns it more into a horror movie so with that said full spoilers for gerald's game and uh, from this point on so a big a big sort of mechanic in the movie is that once she's tied up and her husband's dead and he's on the floor uh, and i like that she can't really see his body on the floor she just sees like the hand mm-hmm. peeking out in the bottom uh, mm-hmm. that she starts talking to an imaginary version of her husband who's walking around the room and then eventually mm-hmm. an imaginary version of herself as well uh, now obviously it's all in her head these are these are just her own subconscious talking back to her which is one of the things I liked is that she constantly figured things out because it was like she, everything she figures out is knowledge that she would have it's like it's like the the fake version of her or the fake version of him are reminding her of something that she already knows. Like, there's the mm-hmm. glass of water on the shelf above so she can get a drink, or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, or bringing up memories that assist her in that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a while, um, I guess about a year or so since we watched it, but wasn't there a, a little bit of a similar mechanic in Hush? Um, like, toward, like I, towards the end, doesn't I, yeah, the character talk I, about how, like, she kind of writes her own story and figure stuff out yeah, it wasn't the exact same but yeah there, there was some thematic thematic sort of similarities there yeah okay. yeah i think that's fair uh but so so that, that's this goes on but and there's this stray dog that wanders in and starts eating the the, the, the husband and they set up the dog is this this entity that's around and the door's open so it can get in and uh like and you know the first time you hear the door open you think oh who's coming in the house who's coming in the house and you, you quickly sort of guess it's probably the dog but it is very tense that's probably the first true moment of tension in the movie is yeah. like hearing something coming towards the room and you know who is it what is it um but the so so i think there's two main elements to tackle here there's there's the horror element and then there's the flashbacks and the sort of the, the character's mm-hmm. past to really delve into the horror mm-hmm. element is that there's a What's he credited as? The Moonlight Man. That's what that's what he's he's credited mm-hmm. as. Who is played by the the giant from Twin Peaks? Who I re- even with all the makeup, oh. I recognised it was him. Oh, I didn't realise that. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> oh well, actually, I I didn't watch it with Twin Peaks, so I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> uh, well, you've seen some of the original show. You, you've definitely seen him. Oh, in the, from the original. Yeah, he, he oh, uh, okay. because you started season two. He he's, he appears to Cooper uh, and gives him some clues. Okay. You're the bow tie. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so he he's this, he's got makeup on. He's he's this deformed figure who shows up, and the first time yeah, you that's... see him is fantastic. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's just standing there in the darkness in the corner of the room, and you can't quite like see that there's a person there at first, and then you just kind of notice mm-hmm. it, and then she notices, <laughs> and she gets scared, and then 
he's just standing there watching. It's like yeah. proper good creepy stuff. Yeah, and he looks really creepy. They um, mention he has a, I forget what it's called, but some type of disease that kind of uh, like enlarge in certain like, you know, portions of your body. So yeah. he's already like a very tall person, but he kind of has this like weird, larger than normal like face and hands. Um, and then, yeah, he's just kind of dressed up like a really weird like specter or yeah, <laughs> something. He- He's got this bag with him that's got various jewellery and bones in it. Mm-hmm. And so the, the movie, like, you think, okay, this is just in her head. This is someone else who's not real because she's been seeing things. But then, of course, the the fake husband in her head the next day says, what about that footprint in the blood? And mm-hmm. you sort of like, okay, that's either real or it's not. It, you know, it could just be a smear that happens to look. Because it's not like a perfect footprint. It's just kind of yeah. roughly in the shape of a foot. And... The movie plays with this idea that, you know, is he there or isn't he? And she sees him more. And, you know, I took him as a, a manifestation of all of our, all of the darkness, all of our fears. You know, that, this was like this personification of it. Uh, and you, yeah. you see him more as the movie goes on and he pops up, especially when she eventually does escape and he pops up in the back seat. And, you know, she gives him the ring as she leaves the house and stuff like that. And he's always very creepy. And... I'm not against because it turns out after the fact that he was real, that he was this this mm-hmm. guy who was like digging up graves and killing people and you know across the state. And I'm okay with that idea, but I really hate how it's revealed. Okay. Because had it been revealed in like the scene in like in the bedroom at some point, like had she mm-hmm. like realized while he was there in like a moment where it was visual, where the character realizes that she's in trouble. I would have, like, that would have been exciting, that would have been, you know, fascinating. Instead, she's writing this letter to her younger self, this sort of exercise after the fact, and it's this narration. Oh, there was this murderer digging up bodies throughout the state, and it just, it felt so clunky, and I was like, this is probably the least interesting way to tell me that this was a real character. Uh, yeah, they probably could have done something more interesting with it. Uh, it didn't really bother me that much. Um, uh, like you mentioned before, it is a definite like shift in the storytelling. Hmm. Um, I, I think, I think it bothered me that it was real because that's how they revealed it. I think I would have, I would have been fine with them being real if they'd revealed it in a more interesting way. But because they did it like that, I'm like, oh right, I thought it was just like a figment of her, like our psychosis because she was so yeah. screwed up. And it, I mean, well, uh, yeah, especially since uh, it, it, he is such like um, this weird, creepy, enigmatic figure that, um, you know, you're guessing for so much of the movie, um, you know, it, it doesn't lend it. It would lend itself more to having a, a more interesting reveal. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. What, what would have been a better way? I just I think something while she was still in the presence of him, where she realized, mm-hmm. oh, this isn't a, this isn't my imagination. This this person is standing there. Like how 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 you do it exactly, I don't know. But I just I think there, there had to be a more inventive way of doing it. Uh, her just like talking about reading it in newspapers after the fact, because um, mm-hmm. at least of course the, the big final moment of the movie where she goes to the court when he's on trial, he's been caught, and she goes in and it's confirmed that he was like he, he was there because because he sort of quotes something back to her that she said mm-hmm. um, and she just kind of, you know, she has this moment of defiance that says, oh okay, I'm over this now I'm not scared anymore 
and she walks out and th- th- that's, she has a big moment where you know, the eclipse is gone and we'll, t- we'll talk about the big, mm. what the eclipse means in a, a minute or two but um, I, I just I, I don't know like the, the final like epilogue just felt really it just felt like out of a different mm. movie to me like I felt like the tone just all went away and all of a sudden it was this uh, weird element I don't know it just it didn't sit with me it at kind all. of it kind of feels more like the ep- the epilogue you would read in a book or something, as opposed to how you do it in a movie. Yeah, I, I think it should have just left more to my imagination. It should have let me interpret it a little bit mm. more. I think rather than just spelling all of this out in this letter that she's narrating. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a, uh, that much of a problem with it. Uh, the the one thing I, I would um, definitely agree with you on uh, that you mentioned a little earlier though is uh, the courtroom scene. While I did like it, it is pretty cheesy like just like her barging in and everyone kind of turn around and be like oh like no one i mean i've never been to a criminal trial but i feel like yeah people wouldn't let you just walk in and walk right up and then no, <laughs> say I, something to the court if, if you shout something out like that you'd you'd be detained you'd give maybe you're getting a warning first but then you'd be detained yeah. for you know interrupting the court uh like you know that's not okay but they just kind of let her stand there and like talk to him for like a minute it's weird uh it just it just it feels kind of like it, that itself feels not real um and I, I get what it's doing she's overcame all of her past self and she's willing to accept what she's been through and she's willing to like recover from it and that's why you know the last shot is her putting on the sunglasses and the sun's bright and there's no eclipse mm-hmm. uh i do think the final shot's a little bit uh stilted it's kind of weird it's, it's almost robotic the way she walks off uh at the end um but it's just i don't know i, I think the final 10 minutes just it, it 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 took away the mystery of everything that was going on and just kind of spelled everything out too much when i got that the the moonlight man represented her darkness and i, I got what she'd gone through and what, and what she was fighting to overcome and that she's got herself in this position because of like not willing to accept what's happened to her in her past and actually acknowledge it. Like up until this point in the movie, it was doing very well with all this stuff, and then the last ten minutes just kind of like, now here, here's what, here's what's going on, everyone. Now, let me tell you everything uh, through lots of exposition. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of liked um, that he was real, though. Like um, the maybe it's because I'm a little interested in like true crime and and stuff, uh, so. Yeah, even hearing the little snippets of what this person is like really made me interested. And um, it's not like they, you know, uh, spell everything about like, oh, he was, you know, he grew up as a young boy and he, you know, had this happen to him that made him oh, go no. mad or anything. I, I, like, I, I, I don't mean so, that. I, I, no, when I say they over-explain everything, they over-explain everything in the context of what it means in the, the main plot of the movie. Where I don't mm. think they need to do that. I think... The movie, the ending really kind of soured me on a lot of it because it just kind of like, it didn't let me just as a viewer take in what I'd experienced and like get to that point myself. It felt they need to beat me over the head with it uh, and it, it took me out of it, uh, which is a shame because I actually think up until that point, the Moonlight Man was my favourite part of the movie. I thought it was genuinely really creepy and I, I thought every time he was in that room, every time he was hinted at, when he was in the back seat of the car towards the end, great stuff, mm-hmm. all of it great. Uh, but I don't know, the ending kind of served me on a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I think that's understandable. It didn't really have that uh, effect on me, though. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cool with like. Uh, if anything, it kind of makes me like more interested. Just kind of thinking like, ooh, like 
how did he, you know, come across this like cabin and like kind of like what, what were his thoughts, uh, you know, when he was like looking at her and and everything like um, I think there was still a, a bit of mystery uh, about him. And I get what you're saying about, yeah, kind of being a weird, I don't know where info dump. But um, I don't know, maybe I was just so caught up in the story or something. It, it worked for me. I didn't mind it that much. So the other big part of the movie that we've not talked about yet is uh, her past. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously sex sex plays a big theme, big role in the movie in terms of its themes and even sexual mm-hmm. abuse specifically. Because I think you know you get these flashbacks when she was a kid and she, she was called mouse by her father and she hasn't really been called that now. You get, mm-hmm. okay, right, this is going to a bad place. I feel like, you know, right away you're worried where it's going. Uh, and it happened during an eclipse. Why, you know, so the idea that this this horrible thing happened to her during an eclipse, and in a weird way to her, the eclipse has never ended. Like it's just the world's been dark ever since that moment, and she's never mm-hmm. really recovered from it. Which is kind of what the movie's about. It's about her kind of not 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 getting over it. Like that's not the phrase to use, but accepting that this happened and admitting that it happened, and then using it mm-hmm. to or not using it, but. Uh, you know, being able to actually recover from it rather than just bottling it up inside, which is what essentially yeah. happened. Uh, her father uh, masturbated with her on his lap uh, mm-hmm. watching the eclipse. Uh, very creepy scene. And the movie definitely was taking like, a sort of turn there. It was like, oh, okay, this is where the movie's going. Okay, right. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, it, there's a lot of hints that sexually she has a lot of issues. Uh, mm-hmm. j- just from the... You know, I mean, not that everyone has to be comfortable with what her husband was, because her husband wanted to pretend that she was like screaming for help and stuff like that. Now that's not necessarily mm. un weird to say that you're not into that. That's fine, but mm. uh, but it, it just obviously it makes a lot more sense once you learn. Okay, this is where her past has been. This is what she's went through, and uh, yeah. it, it comes together in that way. And I, and I think uh, like at one point the husband is. I forget if he's referring to himself as daddy or asking her to call him daddy, mm. but. Um, yeah, like he, he's saying that at one point, and uh, I think that might be the part that kind of like really, really sets her off, uh, you know, and wants her to, uh, yeah, to stop the the role playing at that point. Yeah, but, um, that, that, that really brings in. There's a lot of visual things as well, uh, like the way she sets out the the sort of the the night eight at the start of the movie on the bed before she packs it. It's very mm-hmm. similar to how our younger self, after she's went through the experience, sets that dress she was wearing on the bed. It's the exact same oh, yeah. shot. <laughs> and then after that as well, uh, after she's talked with her father, and her father's basically convinced her to not speak about it, she mm-hmm. lies back in the bed with her hands out, and it's the exact same pose of her uh, on the bed with the chains. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like, oh, she's actually been chained to the bed her whole life, metaphorically mm-hmm. speaking. Like, you know, it's, So it, it does a lot of smart things like that. It's, it's really playing with... Uh, all that stuff throughout the movie. Um, yeah. And, and obviously, you know, this is kind of, you know, iffy territory, uh, when you're talking about this kind of stuff, but, uh, I thought the movie handled it pretty well. It didn't really feel exploitative. Um, you know, it, it if anything, yeah. kind of by the end, kind of, you know, makes her feel like a strong character that's able to, you know, overcome this, you know, horrible thing. Um, well, yeah, I think that's the, the core arc of the movie is her overcoming. Yeah. She, she's, she's been in denial and she sort of balled it up her whole life, and it's ex- her accepting that she has to accept that it happened to move on from it. Like, that has mm-hmm. to be something she does to to heal. She's not been able to heal because she's not let herself heal. Uh, and, and then, and just from a, uh, yeah, like a, you know, visual standpoint, the, you know, like look of the eclipse was really, really uh, captivating. I thought just this kind of, you know, like, reddish 
you know, like overcast uh, screen just I thought looked really cool whenever they would kind of go back to that place or flashback. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of stuff as well about how she just traded her father for her husband. Like her husband, mm-hmm. even though we never get the sense that he's he's, the, he's, he's as bad as the, or her dad was, the idea yeah. that she, she married someone for the security rather than because she wanted, uh, you know, a, a proper marriage. Or And it's like quite clear she never wanted kids. And, you know, maybe it's because she didn't want her kids to go... Th- you know, even the possibility that her kids could go through the horror mm-hmm. of anything she went through. Because uh, mm-hmm. especially you see in her family, like her mother is quite sort of bitter about her and how she she has a better relationship with her father, at least before the incident, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like you definitely get the sense that she never really wanted that for herself uh, mm-hmm. because because of what she went through. Because um, I, I think the idea of having her own kid would maybe remind her of what she went through. It would, it would just remind her yeah. of childhood. It would, would remind her of that innocence. And the idea that one day it has to be taken away in some way. Uh, and for some people, the innocence going away is just a normal thing that happens uh, yeah. in a more natural way. But in her case, it was this dramatic experience mm-hmm. that, you know, this, this awful thing that she, she's always going to remember. Yeah. And then you kind of see in the end that she, um, you know, starts working with kids and uh, I think like opens like a. Some like a center for like a abused children, and then uh, yeah, now she's at a point where you know she feels comfortable with like protecting uh, you know, and interacting with kids and stuff. Yeah, yeah, she says how she tells that story every day if she thinks it'll help anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I mean, I like the idea that uh, it, it kind of that that whole part falls into that epilogue problem I had, but it, it just mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like a book where it feels like it has to give a coda to everything. Um, yeah, and sometimes I like you just the idea of you leave it at a nice poignant moment, and you, you know, you let the audience just think, oh, what did they do next? What, what you know, because I mm-hmm. think once you get the idea that she's overcame it, you don't really need anything that comes after. But instead, it wants to yeah. have the the multiple endings where it, you know it wraps everything up in a neat bow, kind of thing, uh, and just a little mm-hmm. bit too much for me in this case. But like I say, one of the things I really liked uh, about the movie was how the you know her and her husband that are talking to her in her head mm-hmm. are constantly bringing up things that she knows and that's why you can tell they're just in her head because it's just information that she would not have in some way it's all oh, remember that time you cut your hand you could probably get mm-hmm. your hand out of those those chains yeah. if you if you do that again yeah. you've got access to the glass you can do it um <laughs> and it is it's, it's probably the most shocking scene in the movie i was not expecting it i was not braced yeah. for this scene because i thought okay she's gonna cut her hand it'll lube her wrist up a bit and she'll maybe break yeah. her wrist and get it out instead <laughs> she has to pull her hand through and it actually rips the skin up and she i believe the correct term for this is degloving your hand really uh, oh i didn't know there was a yeah, term where the, the skin i mean it, it doesn't completely come off but it peels back so much uh. you see parts of the bone and the tendons and stuff and Ooh. Then it snaps back when it comes out. It is revolting. Uh, Gore yeah. like this doesn't typically make me cringe, but this really did. This was... Oh, I was squirming quite yeah. a bit during uh, the scene. This was brutal. Um, oh. brutal. Yeah, it's it, it it's very, like... Um, you know, I was watching it and kind of kept expecting, like, uh, all right, you know, she's going to cut herself a little bit, then they'll cut to, you know, her face or something. Or But it, it's pretty, like you know, focused on the hand and 
let's see. It seems like it lasted a while. Lasted a while. Yeah, it keeps getting back to it. You keep seeing it, and mm. I love how she goes. To the, she goes over. To, so this is when she gets out, obviously, and she goes over to the the sink and she puts on a couple of little bandages. And I'm like, yeah, you need more than a couple of bandages, love. That's <laughs> yeah, you, medical attention. And it, again, she goes out to the car, and you know that she's not been eating or drinking mm. beyond a little bit for like two and a half days at this point. And you're like, she should not be driving. She is not in no oh, state God. to be behind a wheel. And sure enough, she's like dozing off the entire way and she ends up crashing when the, the Moonlight Man uh, sort of... Uh, and I, I'm tempted to... Th- yeah, I'm tempted to think that the Moonlight Man in the back seat was not That's real. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that one's probably just in her head. But I mean, I could be wrong there. Yeah, that, that that's the kind of the impression I got. Um, yeah. And because uh, and I feel like even if he didn't like say anything that um, you know she was gonna crash the car anyway, mm. it was just more like oh this is like a little you know last second hallucination or something before you do that. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And she's obviously she's the eclipse there mm-hmm. uh, as well before she crashes, and that's that's how she gets out. Um, yeah. yeah but- I- the other thing I, I was kind of like, why, uh, you know, she goes to use the phone and the battery's dead, but I was like, surely there's like uh, a plug or something somewhere. Yeah, you were here for <laughs> the weekend. Did you not bring a charger? Yeah. I actually <laughs> charge it real quick and call instead. I saw someone actually comment online that, I mean, now admittedly, this didn't work when the book was written because it was 1992 when the book came out. But oh, wow. technically speaking, uh, like her phone probably has Siri on it. <laughs> Could, could she theoretically just go? Sorry, nine one one, please nine one one. Potential. Uh, I don't know. I've never actually used the uh, voice activation on my phone. I don't know if you still have to turn it on to, you know, get it to work. But uh, I'm not hundred percent sure either. But it's yeah. an amazing idea, all the same. That she could have just, you know, remembered sorry existed and just, <laughs> just got out that way. But yeah, it's paced well. It's it's not too long or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> For me, I think it's a really solid movie that uh, is let down by the ending being a bit too overly sweet in Hollywood, I guess is maybe what I'd say. Uh, and it spells things out just a little bit too much for me. Uh, and that maybe drags it down a point. If, you know, when we get to ratings, that you know, that's kind of where I'll land and what rating I get to. But uh, Yeah, that's fair. But I, th- I think it's very solid. I-, I think it's funny how Flanagan... Hush probably been his best film for me so far, but he's, a- he's very much a man who consistently churns out a good seven. He likes a good seven. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I mean, uh, one thing I can definitely say is I don't think there's anything of his that I have hated. Yeah, um, it, it, it's always at the very least like okay to good territory. It, it's kind of a shame though that these last two movies in a row now have both had endings that kind of summer the rest of the movie for me. Now, admittedly, I think I don't think this ending is as bad as uh, Ouija Origin of no, Evil. No. That no. one nosedived <laughs> for reasons kind of out with his control, but. Um, I don't know. I I would have just liked a bit more mystery at the end. Then I have to wrap everything up so clean and neat and uh, over kind of explain where everything that happens afterwards. Like for me, it was just, it just felt like such a tonal shift to the rest of the movie. Where okay, I, I didn't need this to be so neat. Like when, once you've shown me that she's gotten over it, she's fought through it, and she's come out on the other side. Our story's done. Like, I get it. She's she, she's won. She she's yeah. overcome the uh, her past, and that's what the movie was about. Uh, and everything up until that point was pretty great, though. So, uh, so with that said, I guess we're uh, I guess we're on ratings, Timmy. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna give this a pretty high score. Uh, I don't. 
I don't want to go as high as a nine, but I did really like this a lot. So I think I'm going to give it an eight point five, though. Still really good. Um, uh, this is definitely something I'm going to watch again, though. So who knows? Maybe I might jump up a little bit in a uh, you know future rewatchings. But yeah, really great. Flew by. You know, was, uh, and, and again, I was just really impressed with. Um, you know, I, I love Stephen King, so I had a lot of hope for it, but. Um, when you hear that kind of premise of someone being trapped or chained or, you know, in this one kind of very like a solitary position, you you kind of think like, Oh, like what are they going to be able to do with that? And that's why I I get excited with these a lot of time because it's like, Oh, how are you going to make that interesting? And I think a problem with a lot of the movies like that, I feel like don't end up being that interesting, but this was maybe the first one I can think of where I was like, wow, like they, really really were able to keep me invested and uh but yeah i was really 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 happy with this you re- you reminded me of a moment actually that made me laugh no, no, it's not mm. a funny movie but there was one or two chuckle moments uh like when she gets the glass of water down and she goes to drink mm. it and like the oh the, the fake husband laughs and she's like what and then she goes to drink it and she can't actually reach the can't glass reach the, the, the hand doesn't come close <laughs> enough he's like that's what what <laughs> uh. a yeah, as um, like that. That was even like a you know, neat little interesting thing where she uses the was it like the tag or something from her dress or whatever to, to kind of make like a makeshift straw. Yeah, that she could drink from. Uh, uh, but you know, it, it's it's funny. Um, you know, this year we'd seen a lot of um, you know, Stephen King adaptations and TV and you know, in theaters and stuff. Um. Well, it seems like a lot more than usual, and uh, I, I wouldn't have pegged this one as being my favorite, but it was really, really good. Um, hmm. I don't know if I liked it more than it, but it probably pretty close, though. I, I think I do like it more. Uh, I, I like it more than this, and I think the reason mm-hmm. why, though, because I think the horror stuff in this is better than it. Mm. But I think I, the, I, that, I like yeah. the kids in it. Like, I, like the, I like the characters in it more than I do, I think, here, I think. Uh, yeah, with that fair. said, though, it's a very similar score. I, I gave it a seven point five. I think uh, mm-hmm. this I'm giving a seven. Uh, okay. I think I think it's good. I think there's a, a lot of good techniques and like uh, direction and uh, solid writing for the most part. The creepy moments with the Moonlight Man are fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think it gets a bit too sentimental, and we have to wrap everything up in such a neat bow at the end. Uh, and it just it, it just it didn't sit with the rest of the movie for me. It took me out of it, and I was kind of looking at it going, "Oh, that's how you're doing this." Okay, and so, uh, so for me that's where it lands. But it's still still worth watching. Like very very you know good stuff. Uh, you know Netflix are pumping out more original movies, uh, and they're doing a pretty decent job. It's interesting because Hush. I don't know if it was officially a Netflix movie, but it went to Netflix pretty much everywhere. Mm. Uh, yeah. Right as soon as it came out, so it, uh, they must like make Flanagan. So I uh, I thought it was a Netflix movie. I could be wrong, um, but uh, yeah, and I, I think they pretty regularly have his movies available to watch uh i know i'm not sure about right now but at least for a good time like oculus and uh i think his first movie is absentia uh i think that was on netflix for quite a bit hmm. um so yeah maybe uh maybe they dig the flanagan yeah uh so no uh that that has been gerald's game so let us know what you think of the movie in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on Twitter, mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. 
Uh, if you want to support the channel, uh, we mentioned at the start of the show, of course, the commentary tracks, which are on patreon.com slash mailandfuzztv. Uh, like I said, the first two for this month are free. Uh, so everyone can go there. You have to go to Patreon to get them. That's what the files are, but uh, they are free mm-hmm. for everyone. And then starting uh, for no- with November's episodes, you have to uh, sign up. But... Um, so yeah, uh, there, obviously there's going to be the regular monthly vote for uh, a November bonus movie. Um, we will get. I'll announce that in one of the next episodes, but uh, that that is coming. And of course, we have winners of the uh, the previous votes uh, for this month, <laughs> uh, which I won't reveal. I think we'll wait until we get to the episodes as they come out because there's three. Of course, there was the, there's the public vote, and then there was the two Patreon votes. Uh, and we'll get mm-hmm. to those throughout the month. Uh, but that, that, is, that is us. So thank you once again for watching and or listening. Uh, in fact, actually, that reminds me. I do have another announcement. Mm. Now, admittedly, it seems too good to be true, but we seem to have found a way to have a, an audio podcast feed for Streams After Midnight. And so you, you I don't know if it's, it's been submitted to iTunes. I don't know if it's up there yet. Um, but we do have an audio feed. Uh, for streams after midnight, it's not up to date yet. I started uploading episodes from the the, the start of twenty seventeen, and I'm about mm. thirty episodes in. Uh, so hopefully, <laughs> I should be up to date to these new episodes going up in the audio feed um, by probably the next few days, maybe maybe at the most a week. Uh, cool. So so you, there's audio downloads available of the episodes as well. Uh, but yeah, so thank you very much for watching. Uh, we'll see you next time. Keep watching scary movies. It's the Octoberthon. Be happy. Goodbye. Mm.